0: Hello, and welcome to the Mage the Hero Described podcast. This is the show for fans of Matt Wagner's Mage, and currently we're reviewing Mage 3, The Hero Denied. I'm Kevin, and in this episode, I'll be talking about a few reviews of issue 0 and issue 1 of Mage the Hero Denied. Before I go on, there are going to be things discussed in this episode that will likely refer to events, characters, and happenings in Mage The Hero Discovered, and Mage, The Hero Defined. If you haven't read those and you don't want to be spoiled, your time is better spent reading those and coming back later. You may notice some audio changes and issues in this podcast partway through. The second half of this episode was actually already recorded, and I felt that it gave too much time to a particular review at the expense of recognizing some other fine reviews this recording this additional portion is being added in to give recognition to some some interesting and insightful reviews to mage the hero denied issues zero and issue one let's dive right in at Blackgate Michael pencus reviews both issues zero and one in a singular post which you'll be able to find a link to on the website and he raises a good point and I'm Paraphrasing here, he doesn't say this exactly, but that zero issues can often be a ripoff. So he decided to wait until issue one came out before providing his review of issue zero. So in this double review, Penkis spends some time talking about the character of the Stees, how the Stees comes off as, and I'm quoting here, more like a parody of how the baby boomers and Generation X view millennials than an actual character. Maybe there's some additional social dynamics there, and we're not necessarily looking at a comics industry persona as much as a generational statement. He also mentions how the Stees of course, respects Kevin's past achievements, but believes that the old hero's greatest days are behind him. Penka spends some time discussing the use of the past as prologue from The Tempest as a title for issue one. And he mentions that uh, this suggests that we're going to get the complete story in this third volume, that everything that's gone on before is prologue, and You could skip them and just get the complete story in this last volume, which is an interesting way to look at it. I'm not sure I agree completely. Uh, As I've mentioned in past episodes, I'm not quite sure how somebody who hasn't read Mage before, either Hero Discovered and Hero Defined, can come into this just cold. I'd be interested to hear from anybody who is approaching the story exactly that way and how you're enjoying it what you're taking from it. Uh he also mentions that he's not sure how old Hugo is meant to be but he thinks he's a little too precious to be relatable. Now in fiction I agree I I despise the the adult child the child who character who always has the wisest, most insightful comments, and is always acting basically as a grown-up in children's clothing. And if you're going to do that, at least, you better have a darn good reason to do it. I think with a lot of writers that happens at times because, quite frankly, they don't know how to write kids. I'm not sure that's the case here. I find that there's enough of a mix of intelligent child with hey, I'm just a kid in the way that I've seen Hugo written so far in issue one. uh, You know, in my experience, kids can say some pretty insightful and amazing things, and they're not necessarily pushovers. You know, for me, the verdict is out. And it sounds like uh it sounds like Pencus hasn't necessarily made a decision on this finally, but it is something on his radar. What I really like that he raises has to do with the question of after the battle in the park, Kevin is talking about how it's time to move on. And Pencus raises a good question that he's not clear why Kevin has to move on. He talks about how easily Kevin Matchstick has dispatched these monsters and that that suggests he can pretty much live wherever he wants. Now, maybe having been discovered by the Dark Forces and being a family man, this is just the responsible conclusion that moving and not being discovered is a way to keep the family safe, no matter what Kevin Matchstick is capable of. But I do agree you sit there and he he has jumped to that conclusion of it's time to move pretty quickly. I guess we'll see what happens. He also raises the question of, just what, in fact, does Kevin do for a living? And the answer is, of course, uh, he draws comics. The part where he talks about this is uh, is really fun to read and raises, uh, raises some good questions. One main point that he does make that I liked was when uh, he discusses that in issue zero and in issue one, Kevin appears to be more of an observer in the story until the monsters show up. In some ways, it seems that this is how it's always been. Kevin is getting pushed forward by the flow of events rather than being an active member of it rather than activating his role in it. In fact, that's an accusation that Mirth levels at him point-blank in issue 14 of The Hero Discovered. I would also recommend checking out the reviews on Panel Patter by Scott Sutterland. I'd like to focus on the review of issue 1, where Scott talks about his personal journey with Mage, how The Hero Discovered has been in every house and apartment that he's lived in for the past 30 years. He mentions that he feels that you know he can very much trace his own life's journey alongside the issues and the story being told in the Mage Comics series. And there's definitely a contingent of men and women who have grown up with and alongside Kevin Matchstick, and aspects of his journey mirrors theirs. Scott spends some time really digging into that and comes to some... A very strong conclusion about how Kevin Matchstick's journey mirrors his as he closes the review to issue one. So there are some great thoughts about family and the hero's responsibility uh, in the in the reviews by Scott Sutherland. Uh, an interesting voice and interesting perspective on the issues. I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say about future issues. Now I'd like to dive into Caitlin Rosberg's review on the Onion A.V. Club website, and arguably this is the biggest soapbox website for a review, and it gets most of my attention. At this point, I'm going to switch over to what I've already recorded. There might be a break in the audio for a moment. If I didn't include this review on the website or discuss it, I feel I'd be negligent. Now, look, there are a variety of of negative reviews that have come out about issue one of The Hero Denied. And I'll be posting a few. I think it's good to include them to keep perspective as a fan. That said, unlike almost any other work out there, this is Matt Wagner's allegorical autobiography. He's going to tell it the way he wants to tell it. That said, I'm personally curious about people approaching this series who've had absolutely no exposure to Kevin Matchstick before. Can they just jump in? Or do you really need to have some skin in the game, already be on the ride? I'd be interested to hear from people who are just discovering Mage with Hero Denied, or maybe are just now having their first encounter with the still-developing artist and storyteller in Mage the Hero Discovered. It's uh, 30 years ago, the storytelling style has changed a bit Matt's art style has changed a bit. It would be interesting to get the perspective of new readers on, quite frankly, either of the series. But this, this podcast uh, episode deals specifically with an Onion AV review and I'll be linking to this review on the website. And the reviewer certainly has the right to her perspective, but what concerns me more is that there seems to be a larger agenda that informs this reviewer and other staff members who comment on this review. And this isn't, while this term is used inside the inside the review commentary thread itself, this isn't a PC or non-PC issue for me. I agree with the underlying social politics that appear to inform their commentary, but in my opinion, the reviewers. Overall critical lens, their particular approach, colors the way they look at this comic as a whole, and ultimately, I don't think that lens does either the comic nor the reviewer any favors. One thing that seems strange to me is the conclusions that this reviewer has reached very quickly with comments like, Readers might expect that his new role of family man might make Matchstick evolve further, but issue one dashes that hope. Really? Really? One issue in, and despite the midlife crisis at the ATM scene, the Papa Bear moment in the park, etc., you've determined that Kevin Matchstick hasn't evolved one bit from either of the characters. The cynical doubter, the resentful cynical doubter in Hero Discovered, and the arrogant, overtly confident, want to be leader in. Hero denied. Not one bit. I don't know if I'd like to dig deeper into that, or if the reviewer, frankly, is just impatient to make some kind of grand attention getting statements because they get attention and they allow her to differentiate herself in the marketplace of ideas. You know, polarize to monetize. This review did make me resolve to check my fanboy instincts at the door as I podcast these recaps and discussions of The Hero Denied. I want to make sure that I keep an even keel regarding art, character development, dialogue, the whole nine yards. I want to enjoy the ride, but not at the expense of my objectivity and critical capabilities. But again, I'm frankly disappointed that I feel that this review told me more about the reviewer than about the comic itself, especially when leaping to conclusions, you know, just based on the first issue of a 15-issue story. Let's look at some other comments. When discussing the Umbra Sprite and Gracklethorns, the Onion AV reviewer states, what's worse is that Wagner is not only reusing the same exact villains, yet again, but that this time they're female. So I'm not sure I understand which is worse. Is it that we're using the same villains again, in some sense, or that the villains are female? Now, this is not a comment made by a new arrival to the series. I could understand that there might be a critique about lazy writing or somebody wanting to just add feminine sexualization for the sake of itself, for for titillation's sake, if nothing else, that seems to be one of the concerns of the reviewer. But this but this reviewer knows about the past villains, and they seem to have missed out on a pattern developing here, despite the fact that they have seem to have at least reviewed, I don't know, maybe Comic Vine synopses of past issues. Hero Discovered features the Umbra Sprite and his male offspring, the Grackle Flints. So that's the core... Villain group. Hero defined features the lone surviving Grackle Flint, Emil, and his offspring, the Sprigginflints. Now these are lazy skate punk types, and their effectiveness when compared to the Grackleflints really reminds me of the copy of a copy bit from Michael Keaton's multiplicity if you haven't seen it if you don't know what I'm referring to here uh, the blog post for this uh, episode will contain a a link or an embedded portion of that uh, of that video in it and now the Umbra sprite has returned as a woman with five female offspring now, You don't like the Kevin Matchstick's core battle seems to be focused on the manifestations of one overarching big bad and its stand-ins? Okay, but this isn't a case of I don't have any better ideas, so I'm just going to use the same villains and make everyone a woman. There's a theme here. You don't like the feminine portrayal of the women in the comic? Well, I don't know. Very often, that can be a valid point. Take it up with the genre as a whole. But from what I've seen over the years, Matt Wagner is one of the least exploitative artists of the female form I've seen. Has he had his cheesecake moments? Sure. Does he sexualize female characters? I've seen it happen when it fits a storyline. But I haven't seen it go overboard. Um, You know, for for pretty much one frame showing the gracklethorns, the reviewer has made quite the comparison- to their predecessors, the Grackleflints. Uh, She states, The Gracklethorns of the hero discovered were fascinating, completely featureless, but still wildly expressive. These new Lady Gracklethorns not only have revealing outfits instead of matching suits, they have tiny waists, stylized hair, eyes to host their long lashes, and carefully defined lips. But their faces convey no emotion at all. If I were to take issue with the grackle Thorns, it's that limiting them to pretty much one panel means that we get an ensemble pose frame, like a band photo, making sure that we see there are five gracklethorns, and hey, they all have different hairstyles. There's only so much you can fit in one issue, I guess. But it's not enough to make me leap to conclusions about what they will be like in the whole series. Not yet. And something tells me we'll get plenty of opportunities to see the Grackle Thorns be plenty expressive. But frankly, we're not talking about female characters in Emma Frost neo-bondage fashion here, or Scarlet Witch uh, fashion who must use spirit glue to keep her top on, or even the animated Batgirl whose costume looks painted on. Quite frankly, at times reading this review, I was left wondering if we had read the same book. And let's consider one of the areas that, that probably bothers me the most which is the reviewer's take on the witch and kevin matchstick's wife magda ah uh, magda a powerful witch who in the past has saved matchstick from his own stupidity spends her entire brief appearance doing laundry and nagging kevin first of all i think the choice in framing here is notable. Not saved Matchstick, but saved Matchstick from his own stupidity. Now, Kevin is a lot of things in Mage 2. He's stubborn, he's pig-headed, he's arrogant, he's overconfident, and he is full of self-serving ambition. And some of those choice descriptors come from Matt Wagner himself discussing the character. But Magda's charm saves Kevin Matchstick from an attack in the battle, the only battle fated by his secondary avatar identity as Gilgamesh against Humbaba, And, frankly, out of many frustrating situations in Mage 2 where Kevin displays questionable behavior and attitude... This is one of the few times where things seem pretty cut and dry and he's pretty much on on level. So saving Matchstick from his own stupidity seems to me the comment of someone who isn't very fond of our protagonist to begin with. The type of person who might ask the question, do you still beat your dog? To somebody who they have no reason to think that they ever did that to begin with. And as for doing laundry and nagging Kevin... If you listened to episode three, you've heard my take on what Magda is doing when Kevin and Hugo come in through the door when they come home. She's a busy woman who is bringing her partner up to date on what's going on. Is she doing laundry? Sure. She also has a charity auction, a lesson plan to complete, and is managing the household. Oh, and their daughter wants mommy's attention too. You know, life. At least, it looks a hell of a lot like my life instead of stately fucking Wayne Manor or the Fortress of Master Ba- Um, solitude. Sorry, my aggro vibe is leaking out onto uh, innocent comic bystanders. Anyways, since this is an allegorical autobiography, maybe it happens to look a lot like Matt's life when his kids were roughly the age of Hugo and Miranda in this scene. Now, I get that this might not be the reviewer's ideal portrayal of Kevin Matchstick's wife, but in the big scheme of things, in my honest opinion, I think Matt Wagner is doing everything he can in a few short pages to let the reader know that this is a family, and this is their incredibly domestic vibe, and probably in more than a few ways, this was his life at the time that is being covered in this matching time frame in Mage 3. And if you don't like how Magda looks, take it up with Barbara Wagner. Is Kevin trying to share something important with Magda during all of this, right? The issue of nagging. So during this update, Kevin's trying to let Magda know that they've been found, that the bad guys are back on the scene again. And yes, that's part of the storytelling. He's trying to interrupt, but Magda's on a roll. And I suppose for this reviewer, this makes her a nag. I don't know. I don't see it that way. Um, And you can, you know, again, I think this is just one very busy member of a family updating another member of the family. As she's busy going from one thing to another thing and quite frankly getting ready to head out the door. And by the way, I especially love the way that this update page is laid out, Uh, more or less alternating Kevin and Magda, and even with these reversed profiles of him flanking her at one point. But at no point does Kevin give any kind of response to diminish the importance of what she's saying or to complain about the way that she's speaking to him. There's nothing in the text here that seems to give me the understanding that this is a nag. I could go on about this, but as one commentator said about this review, if you don't like Matt Wagner, nothing here will change your mind. If you do like Matt Wagner, nothing here will change your mind. So, um... The link to this review will be on the website on the posting for this episode. Uh, there will not be an as-mentioned-in-this-episode post on the podcast. In this case, I will probably post some of the images that are uh, mentioned in this post, actually on the uh, blog post, on the uh, on the podcast posting. and um, And that's it. Thank you for joining me and <laughs> listening to me vent. That's it for this episode of Mage, the Hero Described Podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to join next time when I'll review issue number two. If you have any comments or thoughts about the review in question or just about issue zero or issue one, feel free to visit magetheherodescribed.com where you will find instructions about how you can provide feedback or even record your comments in voicemail for use on the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and review it on iTunes. It really helps other listeners discover the show.